We are very encouraged to hear what God is doing through City Life to change lives. If you have a story to share of how City Life has impacted you, please let us know at story at citylifecenter.org. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. Our desire is to make Jesus known. We pray that these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. Well, God bless you. Why don't you guys go ahead and have a seat and open your Bibles up to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah is in the Old Testament. It's one of the, it's called a major prophet. It's just because it's a longer book. And Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 will be a scripture that I want you to hold. Hang in there, get your Bibles, get your notes out, jot some things down because I believe God has something he wants to speak to you today. Today my message is entitled Hope for Transformation. And, and I, I want to make something really, really, really clear. Three reallys there. Really clear. Four now. If there's anything you get out of today's message, I want you to get this one line, eight simple words, and here it is. Your past doesn't have to be your future. I'll say it again. Your past doesn't have to be your future future come on look at somebody next to you say that those words to them come on say it your past doesn't have to be your future now I want you to look at me make it personal say my past doesn't have to be my future come on say it to me my past doesn't have to be my future that's right and you know what way too often I hear things like this is like well that's just the way it's always been oh, but your past doesn't have to be your future well, well, it's just in my DNA. I've always been like this and I'll always be like this. No, your past doesn't have to be your future. Well, I, I'm just a loser. And what my dad told me all my life, it's true. That's my reality. That's my future. No, no, no. Your past doesn't have to be your future. Or, or God is sick of me. He's sick of my failures. In fact, that's all I am. I'm just a failure in life. No. Your past doesn't have to be your future. Well, it's just my addiction. It's the cross I have to carry. It's my burden to bear. You make it sound spiritual. I'll never be free. No, 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 no. Your past doesn't have to be your future. I'll never break out of this, this cycle of sin. I'm just going to have to live with this. No, your past doesn't have to be your future. See, there's hope for transformation for you. Regardless of what you did yesterday or regardless of what was done to you. I'll be honest with you, I'd say one of the biggest reasons why people give up and, uh, and they just let hopelessness take over is because you believe that God sees you the way you see yourself. You know? I mean, let's, let's be honest. We tend to be way, 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 way too hard on ourselves. If you talked to other people the same way that you talk to yourself, beating yourself up, if you talk to other people that way, you wouldn't have one friend in this world. You know it's true. See, what happens in our human minds is we become convinced that we think these things about ourselves, therefore God obviously thinks the same way we're thinking. But the problem is, is that God doesn't think like we think, and God doesn't process things the way we process it. See, we, we overcomplicate, and we punish ourselves, and, and, and we condemn ourselves, and we say, well, there's just no hope for me. There's no spiritual hope for my life, and all types of things. You know, that's a trap. A few years ago, I invited my neighbor to church, and, and I'll never forget the moment, because he just 
looked at me and laughed. And he said, you don't know me. Uh, yeah, I was like, well, yeah, I know, know I'm new to the neighborhood. But he says, if, if, if I were to walk into your church, the roof would fall in on me. <laughs> and like, I'd never heard that expression before. Maybe, maybe it was common. I, I don't know. Maybe you say it. I, but I'd never heard it before. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, listen, I'm not good enough for church. I know it. God knows it. And now the preacher knows it. He says, I'm a lost cause. He, he just said, said, you know, he just said, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to go. And I thought about that. I thought, man, <laughs> I mean, the guy looks normal. He, he, he looks normal. He, he didn't look like he was part of a rock band or anything like that, you know? And that was a joke. And, and he seemed to look moderately successful. And, uh, you know, he was a nice man. He had a happy family. And, and I'll tell you, he took care of his lawn a hundred times better than I ever took care of my lawn. Yet, he had somehow convinced himself that he was too messed up for God, that there was no hope for transformation. And it was sad. I'm telling you, it was actually very sad. Yet, I've heard so many stories that are just like that. I'm telling you, even from followers of Jesus, Christians who say things like that, what are the reasons? Well, I think maybe one reason could be what I would say is legalistic preachers who preach Old Testament law this way basically that if you if you obey god perfectly then god's going to bless you and if you disobey god in any way then he's going to curse you now the problem with that is is that belief totally ignores the work of jesus christ on the cross you see because of the cross we have grace that can transform us legalism always talks about what we have to accomplish. See, grace talks about what Jesus has already accomplished for us. Legalism tells us we get disqualified because of our disobedience, but under the grace of Jesus, we are actually qualified because of his obedience. Legalism tells us that we're righteous because of what we do, but under grace, we're made righteous because we believe right. Now, as a kid, I, I, I was raised in church, and I love my church background. I I, I love my family, but I was raised in a church culture where I was really in constant fear, and some of you live that way as well, where, where you just had this feeling like you commit the smallest sin or have this little wrongdoing in your life, then your soul is going to be condemned for hell, to hell. And, and, and I remember, you know, as a kid, just, just like, oh my goodness, you know, what happens if I sin? And, and, uh, and what, if I, what if I, like, cuss and, and I get in a car wreck or some of my, my parents wreck the car and I cuss and I sin and I go to hell? And I, I, I lived that way. I'm, I promise you, some of you are laughing at me thinking that is so weird, but I lived that way. I was scared. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And that uh, you just never knew the wrong moment something happens, you sin, boom, going straight to hell. Do not pass code, do not collect $200, you know. And, and I didn't break free from that for years. But, but, but I began to really study the scriptures more and more, and I began to finally see the truth that sin doesn't have dominion over Tim because I'm under grace, and, and I got it. And, and the scripture is, is now so clear to me in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, Paul said this, he said, God made him, that, that's, that's Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us. So that 
in Christ, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, here's, here's what that is. It's like when we are in Christ, when we are in Jesus, we are righteous. Why? Because he became sin and took our punishment on the cross. The punishment's already been paid for. It's really that simple. So when we live in Jesus, in Christ, in his grace, when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. And the price has been paid. Now, if, if you understand that and you believe that, then you will find that you can overcome your past. You can be transformed. In fact, you can overcome sin. In fact, I... I just encourage you to do this, is, is just to memorize this, that every time you sin, or even you're tempted, maybe, maybe you sin, it's like, I don't know what's going on, what am I going to do now? No, here, here, some of you need to do this, take pictures of this, get this into your heart. You just need to say this, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You need just to say it out loud, I am the righteousness of God. I practice this. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, you may not feel very righteous at the moment. You might, you might feel like, well, I've offended God. Hold on. I'm the righteousness of God, and I'm in Christ Jesus. And when you begin to do that, watch how victory will begin to overtake your life. Because grace has power over every addiction that you're dealing with. Only through grace will you be set free. You can be transformed. And every, every time one of those self-condemning uh, thoughts come into your mind, you just need to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you begin to experience your own transformation. So your past doesn't have to be your future. See, th this works when we turn our lives over to Jesus. We turn toward the cross of Jesus. What does it mean to turn toward the cross of Jesus? It just means that I'm going to look at, look at the cross because that's where my favor comes from. That's where my grace comes from. When you're feeling down, when you're feeling discouraged, when you've sinned, when you've messed up, don't run away from God. Do the opposite. Run to God. He's not mad at you and is waiting to hit you. Don't drop out of church. In fact, don't even miss one minute of the services. Jesus is longing for you to run to him because he wants to dump and unload a bunch of grace on you. See, grace is now the power of God to overcome. Sin is destructive, and, and it brings with it a lot of problems in our lives. And, you know, for example, if you put your hand into a fire, you're going to feel some pain. It's going to cause a problem for you, isn't it? Why? It's because you used your free will to do something destructive. But God doesn't want us to suffer destruction and he doesn't want us to be controlled by sin and addictions. That's why we're told to repent. Now I know that word, some people kind of bristle with that because it, it's, it's really been a bit twisted and misused in our culture, especially if you hang around downtown Fort Worth or been around downtown Fort Worth any length of time and been out there. It used to happen a lot more than it does now, but, but guys standing out there and, and uh, you know, around the plaza area and, and yelling and barking at people and telling them to repent. You know, repent! Repent! You, you guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you have seen it. Yes, yes. I, I've had them like, tell me to repent, and I'm like, you're going to hell! I was like... <laughs> You are weird, too, and you, I don't know where you come from, but you need to, like, go back to Alvarado or something. I, you know, just, come on, come on, you don't even know who I am. But, you see, that's the, that is 
the, the, the image sometimes that we get of this repent, repent, it's just like, ooh, that's, that's ugly. But listen, what repent means is that means it's actually quite beautiful. It just means turn to the cross of Jesus. Turn to his, which, what's the cross? The cross is the place of grace. The cross is the place of freedom. It's the place where there's mercy that flows to you. And when you begin to do this, you're changing the way that you believe. I'm going to do this. See, right believing always leads to right living. If you believe right about God's grace, that you are set apart for God, and God is for you, God loves you, and God has grace for you, then you'll experience transformation. You'll, you'll find yourself beginning to live above defeat. Your power to resist temptation doesn't have to be conjured up from inside of you and like, well, I've got to get this sheer willpower to get rid of this temptation. Oh, no, I failed again. You know, it doesn't have to come from that anymore. Instead, the power to defeat temptation comes from the Spirit of God that lives in you. <laughs> Here's a good line for some of you. <laughs> Quit trying to fix yourself on your own. Stop it. Just, just, just stop it. It's not going to work. It hasn't worked yet. I got a little better. Yeah, but then you got a lot worse. I mean, come on here's the deal. I just have this motto. It's like, Lord, I cannot, but you can. And if you're a person who's trying to fix yourself, that, that needs to be your motto. It'll be good for you. You see, what God has for you is a whole lot better than anything the world could ever give you. And God still loves you, and God will still be there to help you in spite of every single failure in your life. God's not going to give up on you. See, your transformation is his sheer pleasure. And you can experience victory. And you can get through your addictions if you continue to remember that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And your past doesn't have to be your future. But the problem is temptation, right? You're like, oh, yeah, you're starting now, right now, your mind's going, yeah, I know this temptation, this temptation. No, no, hold on. It's not any of those temptations. That's not the big problem. The, the problem is what I would just call our greatest temptation. It, it, it's a horribly deadly temptation, and the temptation is this. It's, it's getting to the place where we believe, it's a belief system, actually, believing that there's no hope for us. It's when we become tempted to berate ourselves because of our failures. We adopt this wrong belief system. Things will actually begin to spiral out of control for us because we're just we're 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 we're, we're no good. There's there's no there's no hope. There's no help for us. And when we lose that hope, that temptation to lose hope is very very dangerous. You see, what happens is when you cave to that temptation, you begin to get angry at God. Because you just know he's angry at you. You even become disgruntled and disconnected with other Christian believers, other followers of Jesus, and you get frustrated with your church, and you're sick of every other church in town. In fact, you're just sick of it all. Some of you have been there, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's because you started to lean into this temptation of, there's just no hope. You see, But on the other hand, there's what I would call our greatest victory, which is believing in the unending grace of Jesus. Now, now, that belief system, it works. We just have to learn and train ourselves to think this way and to return to grace whenever we sin and whenever we fail because whatever Jesus did for you on the cross, which is to give his life, to become sin for us so that we, we could live in him and be free from sin, 
It's much greater than any, than any of your failings. Because of his perfect work, his finished work on the cross, you, my friend, are deeply loved. You are highly favored and you are also greatly blessed. And his grace has set you apart to shine for him. In fact, around here we say it's all about making Jesus known. I mean, you wouldn't want to continue in your sin when you have that going for you. In fact, what happens is you begin to lose your appetite for the sin. Every time you make a mistake, just remember this, you just run back to God's grace and his forgiveness and his love regardless of how bad it was or how humiliated you are. Think about this. Jesus' closest disciple, his name was Peter. We talked about him a few weeks ago, but his closest disciple, he, he, he literally denied that he even knew Jesus and he did it on three different occasions in one night. But Jesus, in his grace and his mercy, received him. and He was forgiven. He didn't beat Peter up, did he? No. He didn't say, Peter, I heard you, you sicko. I mean, come on. Nah, you know, he just said, hey, hey Peter, do you, do you love me? That's all he said. <laughs> the, the repentance happened, he received him back. And here's the cool thing, is Peter's ministry was catapulted to a whole new level after that event. You see, his trouble, his pain, his temptation, his sin of even saying, I don't even know him, I don't know Jesus. <laughs> that sin, that was real sin, yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty serious. It, it, it was the breeding ground for God to say, I'm gonna show some mercy here and grace and we're gonna just move you to a whole new level. <laughs> And the God who did that for Peter is the same God we serve. God doesn't change. See, this hope, this belief in grace, it will radically transform your life and your marriage, your parenting, your, your, your company, your work. The, the view uh, that, that, that so many of us have that, that God is a God who's angry and who's out to get you for your misdeeds and your imperfections. I mean, why would you ever want to reach out to a God like that for help? Because actually you won't because your hope is already decimated because you know he's angry at you. So why? I've got to run away. If you believe that God punishes believers with sicknesses or even horrible accidents because of their sins, or that, or that, uh, that this big storm is coming in and it's, it's, to, it's, it's God sending it to punish people, then how in the world can you look to God for healing, restoration, and freedom or to calm the storm? Think about it. See, wrong belief strips away our hope. We're just victims of God's vengeance. If you've been believing that God wants you financially poor so that you can be humble, then how can you ever have a financial breakthrough? See, that's a wrong belief that takes away hope. How can you believe God for anything good if, if all you believe is, is fear of retribution and fear of punishment? See, this wrong image of God is, is even perpetuated in our media all the time. I mean, just, just look at movies about God. Any movies about God? I mean, God is typically seen as, as distant uh, mean, often arrogant, and sometimes even murderous. It's funny because legalism, as well as the media, are kind of two polar ends of this thing that's training everyone in this wrong view of God. It's perverting the image of God in our culture. But I'll, I'll just be glad to tell you the truth. Can I just tell you the truth? I'll just tell you the truth. Here it is, here it is. It's in the scriptures. God is, the Lord is compassionate and he's gracious. 
He is slow to anger and abounding in what? Love. Okay, here's the cool part. Verse 10, you're saying, oh, but pastor, that's probably Old Testament. Yeah, it is. This is Old Testament, which is really pretty cool because God gave David a revelation of what New Testament Christianity is about, and he wrote it in the Old Testament because that's even cooler than anything else. So yeah, okay, come on, come on. It's Old Testament, and this is amazing. It says, he does not treat us as our sins deserve, and he does not repay you according to your iniquities. Bam, slam dunk, it's in the hole. That is in the word of God. Saying, thank you, pastor. Thank you, pastor. Thank you, pastor. Thank you, pastor. All right, now. Oh, that feels good. <laughs> you know, Jesus, he's our perfect image of God. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus didn't condemn the prostitutes and the tax collectors. Now, I might condemn a tax collector, but, but <laughs> he didn't condemn those who were despised and rejected by society. No. Actually, he was always a friend to the most messed up people. Friend of sinners. In fact, the religious community, like, Phew. yeah, you know, the whole thing, a friend of sinners, they say, yeah, Jesus is a friend of sinners. Sometimes we sing that. Actually, that was a mock, that was something that, was, that people said to mock Jesus, the religious people did. Look at him. He's friends with those sinners. <laughs> We're so good. That's just sick. No wonder Jesus was always kind of ticked off at the religious leaders. Jesus didn't take away from the poor. He didn't inflict the sick with greater diseases, did he? No, he fed the multitude and he healed everybody who came to him. So when we look at Jesus, we see this true image of God. I, I like it what it says in the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says that Jesus went around doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil. That's a good God. Give up that wrong belief system. This past Sunday, as soon as I walked off the platform, it's just one of those bizarre things happened. I mean, my lower back muscles began to contract. Now, I know I did, I did not do any acrobatics during my message. I did no aerial flips or anything like that. I could have, but I didn't, you know. Actually, that was a total lie, and God will forgive me. See, now, I didn't do anything crazy last Sunday any more than I do any Sunday. It's like, well, what was wrong? And, and, and the truth is, it's like, well, and I thought, man, my back's all messed up. I, I got to try to hurry and get to the gym and, and just stretch it out and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and by the time I got home and started to head up to the gym, I couldn't walk. So I ended up spending most of the week on my back dealing with a messed up lumbar disc, you know, I still don't even know what happened. My doctor says, you have like perfect discs. You have perfect bones. I don't know what's wrong with you. He says, it must just be you. I don't <laughs> But if I had, yeah, it is me. But if I had a wrong belief system, I might believe that God just went ahead and did that to me. Yeah, here's what God did. God, God was looking at me and he saw a mistake or he saw a flaw or he saw a sin in my life. And, and so what God did is he waited till I was done preaching because God likes this part of Tim, you know. But, 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 and he, but, but and he, and he cares about that part. But when Tim left the platform, it's like, okay. <laughs> and now it's time for me to get you, boy, because you messed up and I'm gonna put you into misery the rest of this week and you won't even know what hit you. Now, if I believed that way, could I ever believe then that God wants to heal me? In fact, I'm telling you, I hear it a lot. Uh, 
someone's sick or an accident happens and, and in jesting and in joking, sometimes people will say, well, what did you do to make God upset? What's, what was your sin? That's not funny. That's not funny at all. That actually pushes this thought right back into our mind that God's out to get us. See, God wants to do good to us, not evil. God doesn't make you sick. God doesn't make you poor. God doesn't make you suffer. God does not leave you in the dust because he's sick of your failures, sick of your inadequacies. It's like, I've had it with you. You blew it. That's it. Time's up. Goodbye. You had your chance. <laughs> I'm going to go help somebody else who's a little better than you. Now, look at your Bibles in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. I love this passage of scripture because here's the truth. God has good plans for you. He does. He has a plan for you, and, and believing in this, believing in this gives us hope. Jeremiah 29, 11, this is something really you should memorize. He, here it says, says, I know, he says, for I know the plans I have for you. Think about that. God has plans for you, my friend. He has plans. He has plans. It's written out. It's carved out. He has plans for you, and he knows the plans he has for you. He says, plans? What do those plans look like? Well, in general, they are plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And I don't care how messed up your life is. I don't care how badly you've been treated by others. I'll have compassion on you for what's happened to you, but I don't care how many poor choices you've made. The truth is, is that today can be a new beginning regardless all you have to do is embrace hope about simply changing what you believe about god who wants to take a look at a story of a of another city lifer today this lady by the name of viola weber a good story about changing belief viola has been transformed and she has a hope and a future and that's what the gospel is all about that's what we preach and teach around here. Today, you can change your belief about God. You can embrace the truth that your past doesn't have to be your future. And, and, and uh, with that hope alive in your heart and that belief that God loves you and he's not out to get you or exclude you because of your sin or your past mistakes, then you can ask God to forgive you of your sins and then you can simply declare that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and you can move forward. In fact, I've even given you, I've given you three quick things that you should do, and this will help you to continue to build that hope and increase your faith, because when you make the decision to follow Jesus, you know, you want to, you want to prevent yourself from believing that, that temptation that there's no hope ever again, and so, so I have what I call my three C list, and I, I'd love it if you just kind of embrace this, and the first C is to charge daily. That doesn't mean use a credit card daily, all right? Some of you are going, yes, no, no, no. Charge daily. It's kind of like, like, I, like every night I charge. I plug in my phone and I charge it. Or I put my, my watch on the charger. I charge it. I charge daily. And that's that, what that is really is just staying in God's Word. You know, with your Bible or a Bible app or uh, you know, listen to an online sermon. And, and, and you know, some of you, like, I mean, there, there are like two or three years of online sermons you can listen to from City Life here. Uh, get your daily charge. Receive messages of grace all right charge daily second is church weekly it's just simply stay in church 
Don't miss. Why? It's because the worship, the prayer, the preaching, this atmosphere, it's charged with hope on purpose. That hope that you feel is because the Holy Spirit is here. Charge daily, church weekly. And the other one is connect often with other believers. In fact, we have our connect table right over there and right after the, the service. You know, if you're not in a connect group or you want to know more about them, that's where to go because connect with others because that will allow other believers their, their faith and their hope and their optimism to rub off on you. Charge daily, church weekly, connect often. In fact, the Apostle Paul said it well. He said, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, but what is the message of Christ? It's the message that you're loved. It's the message that you're forgiven. It's the message that you're a recipient of grace. It's the message that God is for you, not against you. It's the message of that there is hope for transformation always. Unfortunately, uh, when we're not living by the C3 list and we're not letting this message of Christ dwell in us, then we will tend to retreat to old belief systems. And that's what I want to caution against. A lot of people who live in constant fear that every time they sin, they might lose their salvation. And that, that fear, what it ends up doing is it causes, it's, it starts in wrong belief, as you know, but, but it then moves to shame and guilt, uh, abusive relationships, violence, addictions, depression, hopelessness, and a whole lot more. But when we start to understand the grace of God, hope for transformation becomes our reality. And if you live in Christ Jesus, who happens to know you better than you even know yourself, yet he still stinking loves you, <laughs> then you're going to be strengthened. You're going to be energized and empowered and motivated to get out and just do some damage to hell. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I love it. In the book of Daniel, it says that the people who know their God. Now, knowing your God means you're knowing a God of grace. You got it? People who know their God, you're not going to be afraid of God. You're going to say, look, God, come on, let's do it. You're going to display strength and take action. You like that? That's what I want. That's what I want for our church. That's what I want for your life, is that you're just going to display strength and take action. That's like, like, no more inferiority, no more chains of fear, and no more condemnation that you're imperfect or you're not good enough, because if you've received Jesus Christ into your life, you don't have to live with those lies anymore. Because the scripture says in Romans 8, there is now no condemnation, none to those who are in Christ Jesus. Zero. Those thoughts, those feelings, those regrets, those sins, let them go. <laughs> there is no condemnation because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The past doesn't have to be your future. It's time to ask now for that transformation. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not serving God, today can be that day of transformation. You can, by simply choose to make the decision that I'm going to believe that God is a God of mercy and grace and, and I'm going to receive that. You can begin to live in Christ because anyone who is in Christ, they are a new creation. You see, Scripture says the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. New creation, transformation. That is what it's all about. You're a new creation. The old life, it's just done. Now on a separate note, if you're uh, currently a follower of Jesus... You keep finding yourself getting stuck. Well, today can be the day where you 
begin to embrace transformation. Today's the day where you can just simply stop believing that God's out to get you. Instead, simply begin to believe in the grace of Jesus. You don't have to live with those old identities in your life anymore. You can be filled with his Holy Spirit and you can be transformed if you'll just believe and receive. Your past doesn't have to be your future. And today, if you're struggling with the ugliness of sin, addiction, self-condemnation, there is hope in the grace of Jesus. Please no movement at this time. I'd like for everyone in here just to sit very quietly for a moment and focus internally. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you've never completely surrendered your life to Jesus. Possibly you've drifted from your relationship with God. And if you want to know the Jesus of grace that I'm talking about, that I share about here at City Life, if you want a new beginning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. If you'd like to be a part of our closing prayer, if you would like to surrender your life completely to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to simply raise your hand at the count of three. And I can connect my faith with yours. And we'll all pray together. Faith is when you respond outwardly to what's happening on the inside. Jesus loves you guys. He died for you so you can have grace and mercy. And everything changes today. One, two, three. Lift your hand for me so I can connect my faith with yours. You want to receive Jesus. Yes. Who else? Yes. Who else? Yes. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Who else? You put your hands down. Thank you. Who else? Good. Thank you for lifting your hands. Here's what I'm going to ask us to all do. Would you all please just stand with me? If you lifted your hand, I want you along with everyone else here in the congregation to pray these words with me. I'm asking you to mean it from the bottom of your heart. Pray this with me. Come on, listen. Pray. Everyone, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me i am now the righteousness of god in christ jesus i am a recipient of grace <laughs> i am transformed by your power <laughs> in jesus name amen city life is able to continue making jesus known through the consistent investments of many if you would like to invest financially into the vision, you can do so at citylifecenter.org. Simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can stay connected through Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday.